Welcome to Recently Logged, where this week we scream forever. Take a little walk to the edge of town and go across the track. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi. I'm Robbie. And I'm Micah. From the hit movie Scream 4. It's true. I think this is this might be the first movie we've ever reviewed on our podcast that has a, features a main cast, a main like character, character with the, your name. Well, he's not really like a main character, he's but a, the, no, a he's, main character. No, he's got a lot of screen time. He I does, would say he's yeah. a main character. But yeah, he has my name. He's got your name. Give it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you'll have to worry about it after this movie. <laughs> right, yeah, that's a fair point. But yeah, we're talking about uh, Scream 4 Yeah, we're back. Week. We're back for spooky season. Yeah, our if, first official spooky season episode. If you guys missed it, I think it was last year. I'm pretty sure it was last year. We covered yes, Scream 1, Scream 2, and Scream 3. Yes. And now we're back, and over the next several weeks, we're going to cover Scream 3. Four, <laughs> scream! I couldn't count apparently. Oh, no. <laughs> Five and scream six. Yeah, um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, which we were excited to get back to. I always like talking about these movies, and I always like watching these movies. So. <laughs> right. Uh, my my past um, scream reviews. If you listen to those, my brain is my critical brain is kind of mushy. Mushy. <laughs> but I did have fun watching the movies. <laughs> And that still stands for this one. Hopefully not as mushy brain as, as last mushy season. Brained. You know, every I feel like every season your your brain gets less mushy brain. So you look back at each previous season. Next year That's the hope. We're gonna be talking about Scream seven, eight, and nine. Ooh. Which are all going to release in one year. <laughs> that will happen. Right. <laughs> and we're gonna be like, man, when we were talking about four, five, and six, we were dumb. <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped. Uh, I, I feel like back, cause we were like watching the Scream series for like the first time yeah. when we did the first three episodes, uh, last season. So now we like kind of have our like roots in, in being a Scream fan well, I think, I think, to a degree. I think that's, that's a good thing for talking about four five and six in general, <laughs> yeah. being that they're you know obviously they came out much later yeah, all three of those were within our lifetime exactly um i remember the release of scream 4 so <laughs> i do not remember the release of scream 1 2 and 3 <laughs> i would hope not um <laughs> but yeah it's i think it's pretty cool uh, i think we mentioned maybe last episode or two episodes ago we went as we went like dressed as ghostface to dragon con this yeah, year which yeah. is pretty cool which again the implications <laughs> with this movie were, were two people who have a movie podcast podcast oh gosh one of them named robbie the other one with long hair and we dressed as ghost face <laughs> mm. uh, it was it's funny mm. of course that day i ran into another ghost face running yeah. around um so that was cool we stared at each other ominously from across sides of the hotel you know it was funny um when i was like by the door of one of the hotels at dragon con i was i was in my full ghost face get up i had a little i had my knife out and everything yeah. too and uh, there was this other ghost face that walked up like right behind me <laughs> he had like a metallic mask it looked, it looked pretty yeah, cool yeah yeah but he like tapped me on the shoulder i'm like whoa whoa 
me getting scared. I scared a surprising <laughs> amount of people. I think I really, like, you got a lot of reactions. We're going to go off on a tangent about this for a second before we get into the movie, because I think it's interesting. But you got a lot of different reactions being dressed up as Ghostface. Like, some people would be like, yeah, scream. Yeah. Um, I had a some people would just scream. I had, a, I had a teacher stop me and be like, you were one of the, like, my my students in my class wanted me to look for a Ghostface while I was at oh, Dragon Con, awesome, and I got dude. my picture with her. Um, but there were there were kids at Dragon Con a lot more this year than any of the previous yeah, years. Yeah. They've been trying to implement that in, and I think I scared so many children. That's so. Funny, I kept dude. seeing kids like <laughs> notice me, like because you know when you're in Dragon Con, you're all walking through like big long lines. Yeah, there's people. a lot of a lot of um, shuffling through crowds, and like <laughs> while the kids would be walking, like holding their parents' hands, they'd like notice me and kind of like <laughs> give me a, a scared look and kind of inch away, and I I would just laugh That's so funny. much. I was like, oh no, I'm scaring children. They're scaring the children. <laughs> the only child I saw while I was like in my ghost face costume was also wearing a ghost face costume. <laughs> Too. That's funny. And he he like waved at me. I was like, hey. One of one of the kids, <laughs> one of the kids I were, like I was near, she he she literally said, and this is so funny, she was like, Mommy, he has a knife. <laughs> oh no, my god. <laughs> I was scaring kids so bad apparently. Um not my intended purpose. But yeah, we, uh, point being we're, we're now Scream fans, yeah. well established, and we're gonna talk about Scream 4. Which is arguably the most scream villain thing we could do. <laughs> it's so let's true. get into it. <laughs> so this week we're talking about, of course, Scream 4, which is a 2011 movie. It is rated R. It's an hour and 51 minutes. Its little IMDb description is 10 years have passed, and Sydney Prescott, who has put herself back together thanks in part to her writing, is visited by the ghost face killer. <laughs> you know, I just am now thinking about the fact that it's very disingenuous that I always do these things from IMDb when we're kind of like a letterbox based <laughs> yeah, right. podcast, but <laughs> it's just so much better laid out on here for specifically this. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't use, I, I don't use IMDb for like normal stuff. I but mean, they have, here, they have a lot more detailed credits than Letterboxd, yeah, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cast features, of course, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, um, the voice of Roger Jackson. Yeah. Um, very cool. Uh, it also features Lucy Hale, Hale mm-hmm. I think. Um, Dan Farwell just credited as Ghostface, <laughs> which is interesting. Well, they, maybe they just had like one just guy the, doing just all the, the stuntman. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, That's pretty cool. I'm trying to get it's so out of order. That's that there you go. That's the problem with IMDb is its cast is like way weirdly billed cuz here's Emma Robert Roberts way down here who plays Jill, one of the main characters. Um arguably Hayden, like the main character. Hayden Panettiere? Panettiere. Yeah, Panettiere. Panettiere. Uh, and others lots of other oh yeah rory colklin yeah he's like one of the main guys yeah i know but this is what i'm saying he's the last person in the normal scroll on here so i take back everything i said about uh imdb being laid out well it's not (laughs) uh it is directed by of course the one and only Wes Craven. The late, great Wes Craven. The late, great Wes Craven. Rest in peace. My goodness. I can't believe this was his last movie. That's so sad. Right. But it's also such a great movie. Yeah. (laughs) It was written, of course, by Kevin Williamson, 
the the one and only old man <laughs> Kevin Williamson. Uh, you could tell he's kind of old in this movie. Um, let's see, what else can we bring up? Oh, yes. Cinematographer Peter Dimming. Yeah. Um, fantastic cinematographer, especially in that, like, interesting transition period in, like, the mid to late 2000s to the 2010s and everything. Yeah. Shot stuff like Mulholland Drive, uh, Lost Highway. One of my favorite. Twin Peaks, The Return. Uh, horror movies. Some other non-David Lynch thing. Drag Me to Hell is what I was going to mention. <laughs> Another, like, uh, big horror director coming back in, like, the late 2000s to make a movie. Yeah. He also shot Drag Me to Hell. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Definitely cool. Composer Marco... Beltrami, yeah, I think is how you'd say it. Also, a very great composer. I mean, he he, he did, did like all the screens. Yeah, I was about to say he did one, two, and three as well. Yeah, uh, but he's done stuff like A Quiet Place, Ford v Ferrari, Snowpiercer, Logan, <laughs> uh, Hellboy, and you know just a lot of stuff. He's he a good did, composer. He did scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, that movie's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. That's kind of that's kind of what you need to know. I can't think of too many other things. It's a scream movie. Yeah, lots of the scream team. I mean, we we kind of alluded to it in the intro, but it did come out quite a while after yeah, uh, Scream Three. Um, <laughs> so that's an important context note. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say this was kind of originally conceived to be a, like a reboot. Essentially, they mm -hmm. were going to have their own trilogy. It came out. Uh, 11 years after the last Scream movie, which is crazy. Scream 3 released in 2000, kind of capping <laughs> off the trilogy. Um, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> and yeah, so originally, I'll mention that too here now. I was actually going to mention that later, but I'll mention that here. Uh, that originally this movie was going to have a different ending. Uh, spoilers for the movie. Which, <laughs> I mean, there's going to be more later yeah. on. Um, but Sydney. Like, it was supposed to be ambiguous in the end, whether she lived or not. It was going to cut at before the hospital finale, and we were going to have, like, another, like, Scream 5. Yeah. But not our Scream 5 that we have <laughs> now, but, like, a Scream 5. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened in the production to lead them to make that choice. Maybe they, maybe like the studio just didn't have confidence. Yeah, I, I wouldn't bank a whole trilogy on uh, Scream Four being a big hit. Yeah, it was a completely <laughs> different audience for the film. Yeah, it's it's very odd, but it did perform relatively well. I think oh, cool. it's it had a, about a forty million dollar budget and a worldwide gross of ninety seven million. That's not bad. So not bad, of course. <laughs> scream 6 lost money <laughs> so we'll probably not get a scream 7 <laughs> but you know i got to see scream 6 in a theater so exactly. yeah i counted as a way <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's all you need to know probably about scream 4 until we think about something else later and we'll bring it up then yeah uh but let's get into what we actually thought of the movie let's so robbie my co-host brother ghost face partner <laughs> wow <laughs> what do you think of the highly anticipated 2010 sequel to scream 3 was it highly anticipated i don't know i, don't know. I was Pro probably my, i vaguely remember the release my finger was not on the uh, pulse of the horror scene in the 2010s oh, i thought you were about to be like i didn't have a pulse in 2010 i was like robbie you're older than that <laughs> um but what do i think of 
the highly anticipated uh, Scream 4. I think that it's likely the best Scream sequel. There are a lot of Scream sequels out there. Lots of Scream sequels. Um, and this one happens to be, like, sandwiched between the two worst Scream sequels. The, the, the Scream calls, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I like... Uh, Wes Craven's direction on it a lot. I like the way it looks. Like, I love the way it looks is a better way to put that. Um, yeah. It's just shot with a really great, like, sense of space and motion. Uh, pretty similar to the first movie, actually, is something I would really praise that one for, too. Definitely. Uh, it looks great, the lighting. Uh, I like the cast a lot, even um, the, like, quote, legacy characters, even though they're not that old yet. Uh, work really well here. Well, yeah, they're, they're they're not even. I wouldn't even call them legacy. Yeah, they're characters not legacy characters. They're, they're still practically the leads. Yeah, of this no, one. they are the leads of this one still. Um, you just have a lot of like newcomers as well. It's a big ensemble. It's in a, this one. It's a very big ensemble. Uh, but I I like the new cast members too. They're really fun. Uh, there's a lot of just like really great line reads in it. Um, and I I love Kevin Williamson's screenplay for this. It's great (laughs) i just i i don't know the way he writes dialogue and the way he like manages to pace out scenes like almost every scene in this i'm like oh that was such a great scene you know uh but it has some great kills i love a lot of the set pieces i like how gory it is um even compared to like you know the first scream which is pretty gory yeah i mean Um, it's it's pushing that envelope that scream the original wasn't allowed to because of rating stuff back then. yeah yeah but yeah, no, I, I really admire a lot about it, and it's just a blast. Like, I, I laugh pretty much the whole way through it, which yeah. I don't know if that's the intended effect. I don't know, like, Scream's always been kind yeah. of a horror comedy series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have a lot of fun with it. I like, I generally like the, um, like, killers for this one, if we're talking, like, franchise context. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Nice. I gave it a 5 out of 5. Whoa. If you can believe it. He thinks it's perfect. I don't think it's perfect. It's <laughs> it's aged a little weirdly, and it's, like, got some weird stuff. But, like, on the whole, I, I can't see making it much better than this, honestly. So, what, But what about you, Micah? What do you think of Scream 4? What do I think of Scream 4? Well, I would have, near hours ago, told you it was the best Scream sequel, but then... <laughs> After waiting all day in anticipation of hearing Red Right Hand, <laughs> listening to it in the car on the Aww. way back from work, Nick singing Cave. along with all the lyrics, <laughs> I realized midway through that this is the only Scream movie to not feature Red Right Hand. Therefore, it is the worst one. Automatically the worst. Automatically. None of its other like, qualifications five. are kept in account. It just goes straight to the bottom. Forget Scream 3 completely wrecking the... The original scream it, it is right it, this one is officially the worst one so keep that in your head uh, canonically this one terrible because no nick cave but that being said it's a really fantastic movie um it's really like just the most fun i've had with a scream movie since the original yeah it brings back so much of what made the original great that i feel like we kind of instantly lost in two we talked about it a lot when we (laughs) when we talked about that movie two takes a pretty big step 
off in quality, but like it's still pretty well, great. Well, it doesn't even take a step off in quality as much. Like, I mean, it does. As like, like as like a it concept. takes it takes a step off in like a completely different tonal direction yeah. from the first one. Yeah, it's much more lighthearted. It's much more bright. It's much more like I don't, I don't know. Again, we talked about it in that, and we kind of didn't recover from that in Scream Two or Three. But with this kind of time gap between with that 11 years we kind of <laughs> have changed the horror scene a lot and come back with yeah. scream 4 and it just brings so much of what i really loved about the original scream back you mentioned the camera work is back <laughs> on the same tier not quite the same tier it's not quite but close to the original screen it's it's and definitely more fun to watch like just from a visual level than something like two or three yeah and the lighting is a lot more dynamic again it's a lot darker mm-hmm. i think um the characters are so much fun in this again <laughs> like like robbie said i really like the returning characters as well as the new cast yeah. kirby is an all-time favorite for me <laughs> she's really great i really love charlie in this he's one of my favorite of the killers i don't know why i'm just i i don't know you get one of the colkin brothers in a movie and i just really like them being like weird little guys who are killing people right no he was it was a really fun addition for this (laughs) that's the best thing i think i think the biggest thing that i could say is like my just most surface level problem is i'm not a huge fan of jill in the movie Mm. she's never really worked for me but outside of that i think it brings back it kind of being scary again which two and three aren't it brings back the lighting and the grit and the real feel of scream again it's funny I think it works pretty well in the context of the 2010s as a Scream movie, way more so than, like, five or six really do as 2020 movies. Yeah. Um, but now, the the um, the status of, like, five and six is very odd. Yeah, we'll get to those <laughs> Compared later. to, like, the entire rest of the Scream series. But yeah, if I'm being realistic, other than its canonical last place in the Scream <laughs> ranking, it is easily my second favorite Scream movie beh- behind the original, which still none of them have touched. But I think this is the closest it's ever gotten <laughs> to kind of bringing back everything that I really love about Scream. It's punchy, visceral violence interesting discussion on horror movies at the time and fun goofy great ensemble yeah i was about to say at the end of the day with like most kevin williamson movies i've watched really like the big draw to the movie for me is like just how much fun it is to be around all these characters yeah even even (laughs) the like woodsboro is just Mm -hmm. so much fun to be in we were like a couple scenes in the movie and i was just like man i'm so happy to be watching a scream movie again I, I love these movies but i gave it a four and a half out of five which is a fair rating yeah i think it's a more accurate rating than five i w- but robbie doesn't give half star ratings yeah i'm not handing out half stars <sighs> i'm giving it a five give because a five. i like it i mean i like it too <laughs> but this is the problem then when there's a movie where i'm like oh i really like that and you're like uh, scream three <laughs> then it makes it look like you like it more because you gave it a five <laughs> did i give three a five i don't think so. i don't think I so hope that not. would be a crazy i hope take. not that would be what a did crazy you give take? three you gave three you gave three a four yeah, yeah. I Again, think a, four, a half star off of what I gave. Four it. is as as high as it should go for <laughs> Scream Three. But do you have a question to kind of break us off into further discussion? Uh, sure. I I wanted to bring up like probably the main thing that bugs me about Scream Four out of anything, and that's the like 
killer motivation stuff. Like I think the actual How it aged and yeah, everything. the actual the actual ghost face stuff in this movie is like kind of weird, but like it's not necessarily bad. I just wanted to know what you thought of it. Like the the killing ghost face stuff, or specifically like motivation yeah, character like, ghost face like, stuff. Like uh, what's her name, Jill? Jill, I believe. Yeah. yeah, like Jill's character and like why all of the killings are taking place that sort of thing i think that's the weakest part of the movie well i think i think on the whole that's where you've kind of lost most of the scream movies i think scream (laughs) 2 had a fair enough reason for the ghost face killers but scream 3 was already getting really laughable with it (laughs) scream 4 is pretty rough scream 5 and 6 are kind of embarrassing with it as well maybe it's just my bias but i i kind of like the like notion of the stab three production like prompting a new wave of killers i don't know no rabbi 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 what's his face <laughs> and the ties to sydney literally oh, is what no. i was talking about right. about ruining the first movie yeah no the roman all the roman stuff in scream three is so dumb yeah it, it literally <laughs> i hate that yeah but ex- that's that that's kind of just to punctuate what i mean like none of the movies have really been able to get down like another here's a good reason <laughs> why solid a reason, ghost yeah. face would be ghost facing it up other than just like leeching off of fame yeah which i like think is ch- one of clout chasing yeah clout chasing which i think is actually one of the weakest parts about all later scream movies is yeah. they just feel like they're kind of tired at a certain extent i think this does the best it can with that it does a lot to try and make it feel fresh and like it's trying to say something specific for its time <laughs> Even though it's kind of still in the back of your mind, you know it's not going to be as strong or interesting of a mystery as, like, Billy and... Uh, yeah, Stu. Stu. Yeah. Why, why did I blink on Stu? Fake fan, Micah. I just always think <laughs> Matthew Lillard. So. Right, yeah. It's, you know, Billy and uh, Matthew Lillard. <laughs> so... With that, yeah, Jill's motivation. I mean, Jill as a character, as I mentioned, is one of my biggest qualms with the movie. I really like Charlie as a killer, but I think he more fits, like, the five and six kind of realm of Mm -hmm. killer. Whereas they definitely dig into, like, a very like old man 2010s viewing of the internet where it's like oh the kids these days they're all on that interwebs to get famous for no work yeah Um, i even like even conceptually i do like fives uh killer like motivation a lot better yeah (laughs) even though it isn't executed quite as well you get you get some some really goofy lines like jill saying like i don't need friends i need fans (laughs) i need fans (laughs) and stuff like that like that definitely feels very much out of the 2010s ideas that adults had towards the internet yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um what it, like yeah did you have like i figured you had something yeah to say yeah about that too i think like the fact that some of the emotional like weight of this movie is also coming from like sydney and you know she's with her family like you know the mom dies and everything like i don't know it, i think it's a strange like i don't think well, it whole, works yeah totally i was but, like say, i I, whole, admi- I get what it's trying to do you know so i can like kind of go along with it yeah on the whole i don't think they lean into the family elements enough like i feel like it's kind of confusing to a certain extent <laughs> when you're watching the movie when it's like this whole oh jill is going to finally meet sydney mm-hmm. and it's going to be like sydney's cousin and like yeah. aunt and like you know kind of a family thing but then they never really have many scenes together <laughs> And I thought never, that was kind you of never funny, really yeah. get this connection. And we've never seen Jill 
outside of the beginning of this movie and we never really see jill living in the shadow of sydney yeah so it's like this weird thing where jill's like can you believe what exactly. it's like growing That's up probably with, what like it being is. Under your shadow, being everyone being Sydney this, Sydney that. And I think that's, again, one of the problems that a lot of later Scream movies have, where they're just kind of operating, again, only in the shadow of Scream. <laughs> well, the thing is, with a premise like Scream, like in order to make a Scream movie, you can't make it too obvious who the killer is. So you also, it also stunts your ability to set up the killer. Yeah. <laughs> like as is, a thing. <laughs> which is why you need a really strong mystery to pair with that. Yeah. And oftentimes both of those things combined lead it to also not having a strong mystery. Yeah. And then you kind of get this weird, and I think, like I said, I think it's that way for almost every single Scream sequel, mm-hmm. where just the ghost face itself is usually one of the weakest elements of the of this like story. Yeah, the best way they can do that is by making the mystery interesting, which I think it it relatively is here. It especially, is kind of cool, yeah. <laughs> like, but again, I think the biggest thing because I actually totally like. They lulled me into it with Charlie again. And I think Charlie is, I don't know, for some reason way more compelling to me than Jill. Because I completely, I don't know, like I said, Kirby is one of my favorite mm-hmm. characters introduced in this movie. And I just completely blanked about the fact that Charlie was one of the Ghostface killers. And was just like, yeah, Charlie and Kirby, finally. Finally. And then, like, when I when they got to the scene of him in the chair, I was like, oh, yeah, he's one of the killers. I forgot about that. That's funny. And I was like, oh, the, oh no, Kirby. <laughs> You know? Yeah. And they don't even touch on her again. So you don't know that she lives until Scream 6. You don't? Unless oh, she's shoot. in Scream 5. Is she in Scream 5? I don't think she's no, in Scream 5. No, I don't 5. think so. So yeah, you don't even know that she lives until Scream 6. <laughs> um, That's funny, man. Which is crazy, because, like, she just dips out. <laughs> but... Yeah, like oh, she is in five. Okay, I, yeah. Oh, right. So, she, I think she has like a small cameo or something. I don't think she's like in the movie. Yeah, I don't remember. Her. It's been a bit since I've seen five. Yeah, but yeah, I think Charlie made for like even on a rewatch, just a really fantastic kind of ghost face that I really enjoyed watching. He delivers on a lot of the mystery that I like, kind of tying him more into the the cast of characters mm-hmm. because like it's always like oh it could be one of the friends but because the ensemble is kind of split up multi-generationally mm-hmm. most of what you interact with isn't jill's friends they get killed off first yeah like her two best friends are pretty much besides kirby are the ones to get killed off first and kirby isn't often like she's there with jill a couple times but because they're worried about jill she's <laughs> mostly locked up in the house with sydney yeah where she also rarely talks to <laughs> sydney like i know that's probably to where again she can go do ghost facing Mm -hmm. stuff but she's not in the movie much and doesn't really like so it doesn't feel like there's as much mystery tied around her character because we rarely see her interacting with anything yeah part of it is like oh like she's one of the friend group um and i know again they were gonna kind of have her be the like way more so the lead of the (laughs) next movie so i can totally see that leading into a scream five with jill as the lead in a really interesting way that would be so awesome Um, (laughs) but as is it makes her honestly one of the weaker character elements of the story yeah no and like i said i really do think that's scream four's biggest problem yeah and it's not that big of a detractor for me like it doesn't really stunt my enjoyment of like even the like kind of strangely drawn out finale like i still think it's fun yeah and like i don't think even having a bad 
ghost face <laughs> reveal and explanation brings down a scream movie that much i still like scream three right even though i absolutely despise <laughs> roman dude so three's finale is so much fun even though roman is the dumbest scream character yeah, ultimate, of all time <laughs> ultimately that's just kind of a vehicle for the rest of the movie to yeah. operate and i think this uh, this movie is uh, like operating on on four cylinders otherwise <laughs> Um, did you have a question you wanted to ask? Yeah, actually, I did, because I was very curious on, like, I didn't want to just ask, like, favorite scene or sequence. I was thinking (laughs) about this while we were watching the movie. Do you have, like, a favorite kill sequence? Oh, gosh. Like, one of a ghost face attack sequence. Um, I really like the police officer one. That one jumps to my mind, (laughs) um, pretty immediately, just because it's fun. Yeah. Um, but I do like uh jill's one friend in her bedroom and everything yeah. like that's that's one I of the was gonna yeah like, i was gonna mention maybe one, one of the best uh like kills in the franchise honestly that was that was actually gonna be my answer yeah. when i was watching this i think that was like a super memorable one yeah and it's i think the most gory kill easily in the movie i think it might be the most gory one in the whole series honestly right um but yeah like the way it's framed like the whole scene leading up to it and like the editing, the score, it's its a really great scene. <laughs> yeah, I love the whole, I didn't say your closet <laughs> thing. That's so great. Yeah. And like the Shaun of the Dead stuff leading up to it. And again, it gives you this great sense at the beginning of the film, with Jill even, that you're like in it with the friend group. Yeah. Even though that doesn't last very long. It's towards the beginning where I think all of that kind of dynamic works the best. Yes. And makes for a really memorable opening kill. Yeah. Um it's oh man <laughs> again yeah some other kills of note the 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 cop one is pretty funny that one's is, that yeah. one's really fun um i'm trying to think of other good ones like obviously i think most of the kills in this are fun yeah i was oh, about yeah. to say just about any kill in this is pretty fun robbie's death i <laughs> oh, think is goodness. very funny like <laughs> But I think actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think less characters die in this than most Scream movies. Yeah, no, a lot of it has a pretty low body stabbing. count. Kirby lives, Gail lives, yeah. Sydney, Sydney lives. <laughs> like, a lot of people get stabbed and live, which is normal for a Ghostface mm-hmm. movie, but not a ton of people... Again, because they didn't... Yeah, not a ton of people just, the like, way actually die. The way they're... Even What's-Her-Face, the deputy lady lives. Like, mm-hmm. they did, the way they weaved their ensemble in this one, I feel like, locked them in a bit more to have as many expendable characters, which is why, again, I think Jill suffers, because the only expendable characters are, like, her friend group very quickly. You know, I think honestly maybe the publisher kill is like the weakest one out of all of these oh, and even then it's still fun, fun yeah though. just because i hate the publisher she's so fun to hate <laughs> the, yeah they make her so, they make her so terrible yeah this. so that's a very fun kill and it's actually funny that you mentioned like you could see you mentioned not during the podcast but before we started recording that you mm-hmm. could see clear ties from this movie to uh drag me to hell because <laughs> yeah. when they were in the parking garage i immediately thought of drag me to hell <laughs> you know dude um peter deming is that's his name uh he Maybe. shot he shot drag me to hell in 2009 so like yeah. two years before yeah. this and it very, literally just it looks so similar yeah, they're during very the car similar looking films outside of the very like uh Drag Me to Hell is a much more digital looking movie than yeah, this. It's got it's got much more of a uh sheen, but not in like the uh 
glowing film look this, of yeah, this, Scream this 4. movie is glowing and I mean like actually glowing yeah. every light is like way blown out yeah. and glowing in a really cool way it looks awesome I think it looks great it adds to that very dynamic lighting that I was mentioning but I did want to mention uh, again Robbie's death yeah because I think that's hilarious <laughs> it's uh, hands down one of the funniest lines in the movie I think I think the lead up to it is a little slow but like yeah it's a fun kill dude yeah it's just because it feels a <laughs> A little rehashy after gail's attack being so similar uh-huh but like oh dude when they open the door <laughs> he's looking at the phone that's a <laughs> that's such a fun shot and like such a fun idea for like dude there's so many great shots like again yeah. like the the wind chime dude, thing i love the wind chime ghost shot. face in the wind chime that's crazy <laughs> this movie is shot impeccably dude, well the one <laughs> I th- it might have been the hardest we laughed during this like watching of Scream Four was when the deputy is like shrouded in darkness. Yes, when, um, Gail when, comes out yeah. of Jill's room towards the beginning, and the deputy is just like Sydney. Yeah. Hello. and she's completely like dark the and then whole, she like hovers that into... whole that whole conversation with sydney and the deputy is like the funniest dude thing the ever. deputy that actress her eyes are going wild this entire time greatest eye performance in the movie her dude. eyes are always giving us something interesting i will say i kind of admire how like easily the movie wins me over to the whole um deputy gale thing like their whole like yeah it's surprisingly it surprisingly makes it like on. not annoying yeah which a lot of times the gale stuff can like the gale dewey She's, drama can yeah, be annoying dude, in a scream movie gale weathers is far and away my least favorite yeah, scream character out of because like the she always gets the most annoying plot beats of the movie yeah and it, it's it actually made me kind of sad to see like you could clearly see the direction of her character mm-hmm. from this leading into where she ends <laughs> oh up in gosh. five and i'm like oh <laughs> yeah five fives <laughs> but no like they do a really good job of in this movie making the dewey and gale stuff work really yeah. well and the deputy is just this great little like she it's it's not over dramatic no it's it's supposed to be more funny i really I, love like so early on she's like you're not cheating on your wife if you eat my lemon squares and i was like well i wasn't thinking about that earlier but now i'm a little <laughs> questioning if i should eat these lemon squares no their whole dynamic is really fun and it like the payoff for it and during the hospital scene is funny too right like it's never it's never given too much weight to be annoying it's not given as like serious movie drama it's just a fun thing that makes the that ties the cast together in a fun way when again the deputy is such a is such a fun character like she's so i forgot how goofy and fun she is in this movie in general every scene from that one with sydney to like the lemon square scene like she's just consistently funny to watch on screen yeah and like like i said like that's really i think scream 4's biggest strength is just its characters are really fun to be around yeah um man i was gonna mention a scene darn it (laughs) there was a scene that i thought of when i was mentioning the favorite scene or sequence Mm. question but i wanted to do favorite kill yeah favorite kill is and i thought of a scene that wasn't that wasn't a one well, I thought of a scene that wasn't a yeah, kill yeah. that I really wanted to mention, and I've totally lost there's what it a, was. There's, like I said, there's a lot of, just about like every scene in this movie, I'm just like, man, that was a fun scene, you know, well, one <laughs> when of, it's over. One of my favorite scenes, especially the first time around, not remembering, like not knowing that Charlie was like 
one of the killers mm-hmm. was Charlie's like chair scene. I remember that being, and I still think it is one of the it's most gripping scenes to me personally in like the series. I think it's again, one of the more like actually scary scenes <laughs> when you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, Kirby going through the questions and everything. I I think that's a fantastic scene. Even starting with uh Charlie like on the door and everything. Yeah, I think that's a really compelling, really well lit, really exciting scene. Well, that's the thing. Um, just I would like I said, just about every like more action oriented scene in this movie, like is just so well constructed. Like it just flows so well. Yeah. And, like, I, I always feel like I'm in good hands when I'm watching a Kevin Williamson movie because he just, <laughs> he does such a great job of, like, doing that thing that they always tell you to do in screenwriting classes where you make, like, each scene its own standalone, like, mini-movie kind of thing where it has, like, a really great setup and then, like, a really fun, like, exchange and then the ending is always, like, there's always just a fun little ending to each scene, too. I, yeah, I, I love it. But at the same time, this movie, even more so than a lot of the other Scream movies, flows so well. Yeah, like, it just it's goes. A, it's a breeze, man. It goes I love and goes it. and goes. Which helps it get away with the kind of overly long finale (laughs) yeah i would say that's one of my other complaints about the movie in general Mm -hmm. is you can you can kind of feel that the hospital finale wasn't originally structured into the movie yeah like it you feel like a little bit like okay well there's going on that's the thing like they they go through the effort of like having kind of the fake out finale at the stabathon yeah and then you get another fake out finale at the (laughs) at the after party yeah so it gets a little ridiculous and then you have the hospital thing especially with all of them are fun but like with how good the after party set piece is it feels like not that the hospital set piece is bad the hospital (laughs) set piece again is good Mm -hmm. but it just it's not as good as the after party because (laughs) i mean it's it's not given as much space or time to be as good yeah so it definitely is a little like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, I yeah. guess we still have more to do. Gotta, gotta wrap this up, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think it's, I, I just love Kevin Williamson. I know he can be kind of like self-serious and self-indulgent, but I, I love him. <laughs> I think his self-indulgence works best in the Scream series, though. Mm-hmm. I really love what he does with this stuff. Yeah, um, and I was actually, another question I was going to ask was, what did you think of some of the more meta stuff in this movie? Because uh, obviously in Scream movies, there's always meta stuff. Yeah, I think I think the meta stuff in this is some of the best sequel meta stuff in the series. I was going to say, it's the, <laughs> it's the time where the meta stuff doesn't overshadow stuff like other things about the movie that the movie has going on like it's more there to make the world more interesting and more fun to watch yeah i think it perfectly punctuates the kind of flow and fun that the story is going for yeah i think one of my like i love the opening of this film it's one of (laughs) it's one of my favorites of like any scream movie (laughs) the double fake out Kristen bell coming in that's so good when i again watching this movie for the first time it wasn't as fun for me this time around which was a shame like i didn't quite really? enjoy it as much this time as oh, i did the I, first time i actually think i liked it a little more um, the second time because the because the first time being surprised by all of this stuff was just so much fun right like 
uh, like again, like the Charlie Kirby scene <laughs> and the opening with the double fake out Dude, on the stab six, stab seven uh, yeah. fake out openings are so funny. <laughs> it's it's great, and again, it plays into it really interestingly for kind of being this weird sequel. 10 years later kind of thing i i still think it's kind of hilarious that like kevin williamson like basically talks directly into the camera within the first five minutes of the movie he's like shut up and watch the movie guys right he's like guys i know it's dumb and annoying that (laughs) we're doing another screen movie (laughs) shut up and watch the movie and enjoy it'll be good i promise i just i think that's uh, it's a major flex and i can i can admire it (laughs) (laughs) okay what do you what do you think of like the meta stuff and kind of what it's doing? yeah like i said even compared to some of the other like sequel explaining horror rule things like i think even that scene like in the cinema club is pretty fun and harmless and i like uh generally like the i don't know the social media thing kind of comes back into play and like they're uploading all of the kills and everything yeah um and it's a it's a bit meta since like you know it's kind of an evolution of where video itself has gone um yeah and the fact that uh robbie's like streaming everything all the time (laughs) well i think again one of the things you can look at with this is like what it's kind of intended to looking at the context of a lot of horror films that came out around this time Mm -hmm. and this was a really really weird time for horror movies and it actually made me it actually made me think about it well this is early or early 2010s yeah Uh, late 2000s and it actually made me think about it because seeing specifically the color of the blood in this movie made Mm -hmm. me think about like 2010s horror movies because the color of the blood is like almost black yeah in this movie and that's exactly like the aesthetic (laughs) that so many 2010s horror movies have you like it was a really weird era slashers were not a big thing Mm -hmm. in the 2010s at all there really wasn't that many it was a very supernatural gray black blood (laughs) dark stuff kind of era yeah um which led for like these really weird digital kind of movies i think of even something like a tale of two sisters and (laughs) stuff like that which like it's just a very weird era for it 2010s no it's late 2000s yeah yeah. it's like i think it's 2009 Uh, that movie is saturated (laughs) to yesterday dude yeah but it's also like it's got this really weird look to it yeah it has a very 2000 like late 2000s look to it i was about to say and so many of its aesthetics and ideas as a horror movie are very interesting you're Mm -hmm. getting into this thing with horror where like every movie was kind of just feeling like the same thing over and over and over again in the 2010s i think Mm -hmm. the 2010s is a really kind of exhausting period they mentioned the saw movies at the time which again were going for like (laughs) saw four and saw five and stuff like that and people were getting tired of just so many of the horror movies at the time being just like over the top blood and dark Mm -hmm. and weirdness yeah for like no reason basically but again like that's one of the things that like you said were make makes four works so well is scream like the original scream was kind of birthed out of that frustration like horror fatigue back when the first one came out right and now we kind of have like a new era of like postmodern horror that Scream 4 likes to poke fun at. Yeah, which I think is, and we'll get into that with Scream 5. I can't help but mention (laughs) Scream 5 with this, which I think, because I think that's one of the big things where it kind of falls flat with what Scream 5 is trying to do, because 
it's not made within a horror exhaustion. If anything, mm-hmm. it's made in kind of a horror revolution. Almost. Yeah, We're kind like, of in a new era of like a new resurgence of horror right now mm-hmm. in the 2020s. Oh, absolutely. The past um, two years, dude. <laughs> and you're like, what the heck are you talking about, Scream 5? <laughs> Whereas I think in the 2010s, you genuinely have this kind of tired feeling where everything, again, was reboots of old series. Yeah. And like, when Kirby lists like 16 remakes yeah. of classic horror movies. <laughs> again, yeah, you get like literally all of those were not even just the original, all of those were 2010s remakes. Yeah. And that's just like, that's what you got. You got this, this series, this long series of remakes and long series of sequels that were all doing the same kind of thing. And supernatural horror was kind of reigning supreme over everything. And it's just, it's a very, it's a very big period of horror movies that I don't really like, which makes <laughs> me really kind of appreciate what Scream 4 is doing a lot. Yeah. Kind of going against that. I just hate that it didn't like, didn't really spawn anything out of it it kind of you know you kind of hope it would be like a scream where it completely changes a lot of the landscape of horror movies getting made but it really didn't (laughs) well the thing is um like scream 4 is kind of written to be like to have a sequel after it yeah and it doesn't yeah (laughs) like not really not in the way they wanted it yeah um so yeah it kind of it kind of leaves the whole thing feeling sort of open-ended in a way yeah um, which is very interesting yeah like, you get this entire completely different feel for, like this is such an interesting movie in the <laughs> series you get this completely different feel from the original trilogy mm-hmm. but also a drastically different feel from the new movies yeah it's a very so odd like middle point. it just lives in its own little island in the 2010s yeah um but yeah even like aesthetically it's meant to be like a throwback to like 90s aesthetics yeah and in the way they shoot it the lens choices the way it's lit um like we said like all the lights are like so blown out and like you get all these like fun lens effects i love i love the lens distortion on like all the wide shots in this movie yeah you also don't get into a lot like thinking thinking about some of the movies that reigned supreme during that time they had very Oh, honestly, again, it's it's interesting that they mentioned Saw because Saw was such a prevalent thing. Like Saw was kind of ruling a lot of this genre horror movie mm-hmm. and throughout that time. Yeah, like the gory um, horror movies. And like, if you've seen Saw, I mean, we've only seen the first two Saw movies, but so many of Saw's a- aesthetics are so kind of goofy and like over the top with like self seriousness. Yeah, it's coming with, out of like music video direction. Yeah, like that music video direction. <laughs> Which they mention like, in Scream <laughs> 4. <laughs> uh, and Scream 4 is very different from that. Yeah. Scream 4 does not get into that 2010s like camera being all. Yeah, crazy no, it's meant to. It's very snappy. intentionally. It's very intentionally a throwback visually and it works really well. Yeah, and I think it's super refreshing to come out of this era and has yeah. some interesting things to kind of some some jabs to make at movies coming out at the time. Yeah, uh, which I think is part of a key thing to make scream movies work. There, mm-hmm. there are like a couple things to make a scream movie work. The horror. Another reason five doesn't work. I was about to say the horror, <laughs> the mystery, and like the themes because every scream movie does kind of comment on something about horror movies that's part of their dna you still prefer the babadook Mike? oh, oh god what the heck are you talking about jenna ortega <laughs> yeah this five is a mess in that regard oh gosh yeah we'll get to five i like five a lot like but it's kind too. of it, yeah. it's it's themes i think are it, it's a little bit of a mess as a movie yeah um <laughs> 
But yeah, did you, did you have another question? I'm trying to think. I've been kind um, of question dry on this one. Yeah, that's that's usually my bit. My exactly. Stealing I'm stealing your bit. I don't like. Like I'm having trouble coming up um, with interesting talking points for this movie. I, yeah, I don't know. I I'm trying to think of like another element because like we've talked about all of the kind of like main franchise things like in the context of the other screen movies how it compares yeah anytime we pull like a series episode like this we get so much into i feel like we get in a good (laughs) rhythm of just getting straight to the point about these movies (laughs) and like we talked about what i think are some of its biggest flaws we talked about what i think are some of its biggest like positives (laughs) and really like just so much of this movie just blends together to be so great that it's hard to pinpoint a lot of tiny things it's hard for me to even pick like a a scene that i can think of because the scenes themselves roll together so they well flow really well yeah. it's it's this really powerhouse of a movie that i wish had spawned more i would have loved to see a scream five and six from this movie i think we would have gotten something drastically different and really interesting well what's so what's so cool about scream four again is like wes craven is so confident in this movie like yeah. you can tell he just knows exactly what to do in every scene <laughs> he's got such a legacy <laughs> behind him of knowing what to do with this to return to the scream movies pretty late in his life i mean he yeah died, he died this is his last movie yeah he died pretty um, pretty close to the end of this you know the after this rap yeah it kind of feels like a flourish of everything that made him a really interesting director as yeah. in in horror from from the Scream movies to even, like, his other outings in horror, I feel like this movie is kind of, like, a, a pretty great end chapter for him. Yeah, dude. I, I am still baffled at the fact, um, I, which I, don't, I, like, never look at Rotten Tomatoes, but I pulled it up on Peacock, which is where we watched it this time, uh, and they always display, like, the critic and audience score um, on Rotten Tomatoes for the movie, like, on the screen when you open yeah. it. Uh, and it had like a 57 audience score. I'm like, who? Okay. It, it only had a it only had a 60. Yeah, like a score, which yeah, is not, like a which is not fresh. Something. It's yeah. rotten. Yeah. Um, and I'm just baffled by it because, like, I don't know. As a Scream fan, I can't imagine not liking this one. Like, because it is such a it it feels like such a spiritual successor to the first movie more so than the other sequels yeah and it does such a great job of pulling off this kind of retread of a lot of the beats while making all of them feel wholly unique Mm -hmm. like i feel like i could watch scream and then watch this and not feel like 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 back to back and not feel like it's just ripping off the first movie yeah and again like the intergenerational stuff lends a lot to that because like in plot they are kind of similar like in a lot of ways yeah they're very similar which the movie acknowledges scream movies these yeah. are very similar the only ones that tried to go against that were two and three five like five is very similar to this <laughs> three is so crazy six is, i guess six is different too so yeah I feel six like it's is just, much different yeah. it's just kind of like the starting of any of the attempts to start a trilogy are going to feel almost exactly like scream yeah um but yeah, no, I, I just think it's, I, I think it's a really cool movie. And like I said, you, I always love it when I watch like a late, um, like something like Spielberg's newer stuff, 
where you can just tell like a director knows what they're doing <laughs> just yeah. all the time. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it feels very similar like to talking about something like West Side Story. Yeah, like something Spielberg, like West Side Story. Yeah. Where it's just such a flourish of everything that's good about the previous work from <laughs> exactly, these creators. Yeah. It's a powerhouse Kevin Williamson screenplay. Yeah. It, it, I think it's genuinely one of his best. He has some ro- rocky ones, <laughs> but this this is right behind Scream for me. Um, yeah, it, it's it just nails so its fun. themes and most of its characters. It gets yeah. a little split up between its multi-generational ensemble mm-hmm. not having enough people to like <laughs> kill off essentially yeah. without destroying some of its character dynamics. But when those characters are allowed to be together and everything, the dialogue is outstanding. I love the dialogue. The performances <laughs> that punctuate it are amazing there's so many quotable (laughs) lines from this and really just the chemistry between all of the actors even the characters that don't get that well established like (laughs) trevor yeah trevor's not in that much but he like he works in the movie and so much of that comes from the dynamics of the other characters and the other performances there's such a there's such a physical space to this movie you always feel like you know where you are yeah that's part of what makes the um final like after party house set yeah. piece so much fun because it's just a house yeah but like the way they shoot it and the way they're constantly like moving around like we go from like all the way at the bottom level to like standing on the roof over the course of that scene and well, it's one just of, awesome one of the big changes in that <laughs> is like the like when you're in there at first you're from this direct solid angle and mm-hmm. hold on that angle of the couch for most <laughs> of it and then you'll switch to another angle with kirby on the couch but it's just that kind of perspective. And then later on, when you're in there for like the final, final <laughs> I of love that it, scene, man. you're from the other angle and it feels yeah. like you're in like this drastic, like a, a tiny camera movement like that adds so much to this because you feel the space so well. Yeah. No, again, between the lens choices, the lighting and just the general composition of everything it's it just it's a great looking movie and it feels great to just like move around in the world of scream for it's and, awesome and quite <laughs> frankly it feels in my opinion like the least cliche and like overdone kills in the movie <laughs> yeah i don't think they're always the most memorable kills in this i think there genuinely are some memorable ones in here but like most of them feel fresh like they don't feel like they're redoing something that's been done before Mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of other scream movies get this kind of feeling where you're just like yeah he's stabbing someone that's that kill that's that kill (laughs) all of these kind of feel unexpected they feel scary again cool man yeah back when i first watched this and i stand by that this is the only scary well the first scary scream (laughs) movie since scream yeah two is not that intimidating and three is like almost a joke yeah so i really appreciate what it's doing and I yeah I mean it has its flaws but I think it's about as good of a scream sequel as we can get absolutely and uh, again I gave it a five and I I would like probably defend it as the best scream sequel whatever for whatever that's worth because some people do not have a high opinion of any of the sequels uh or any of like the post trilogy sequels you know uh, but I, I honestly believe that it's one of the strongest, if not the strongest sequels that Scream has gotten over its <laughs> five sequels, uh, all of which, in my opinion, are pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I love this series. I love coming back to it even because it's been like a year since we've watched a Scream movie. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, we watched um, well six, six, and we and rewatched five. five. Yeah. yeah, but like a scream. scream yeah, we movie. hadn't seen like a Wes Craven scream yeah. movie in a long a time. A true, a true to like a true <laughs> scream. I don't know. Yeah. Five, five, and six have their own merits. They're I really, really, yeah, I really love six. they have a completely different charm um, to them. Yeah, I mean, they're very different, even in the way that, like, even in the way that four is much different than one, two, and three, it still is a Wes Craven movie, and it yeah. feels like a Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson movie. It's awesome, um, man. <laughs> they're like, they're like a made for each other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll forever miss Wes Craven in the horror scene. Right. My goodness. <laughs> imagine, imagine if he did do Scream 5, dude. <laughs> that would be crazy. But I think... That's about all we'll do for yeah, Spring 4. No, I'm, I'm we, pretty happy with we, that. <laughs> we summed it up pretty well. I think if you you don't like it, or maybe you watched it back a while ago and you were like, Ugh, I, that one was bad for whatever reason. First, tell us why. I haven't heard very many like legitimate complaints towards this movie other than the ones that we just brought up. So if you have like a legitimate complaint... <laughs> send it to us we're we're all yeah, over yeah so i would love to hear it <laughs> maybe we'll reference it in our scream five or scream six video when we get to that but yeah re give it a rewatch is what i was gonna definitely what i was gonna yes. lead to try and try and view it how we view it <laughs> change your opinion view it the correct to way. our opinions yes yeah. so <laughs> You can fully agree with us and see that we are truly <laughs> cinema masters. Yes, of course. That's the end goal with every podcast episode, yeah. actually, is just for you to agree with everything we say and uh, never question it. <laughs> exactly. We are 100% correct all the time. Our opinions never change. And our only goal is to change your opinions. Exactly. Because your opinions are wrong and dumb. <laughs> And we hate you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was that was our Scream 4. Uh, let's talk about some of the other stuff we watched this week. Alright, so the What We Watched segment, for those of you who do not know, or new to the podcast, or have just never listened this far, is a fun little thing we do at the end, where we talk about all of the movies that we've seen since our last episode, and we give our brief thoughts and brief ratings, <laughs> and it's not actually one week Rubby lied to you moments ago. I know. He, he, I misspoke, really. He lied. <laughs> I intentionally <laughs> misled you. Exactly. Um, <laughs> since we weren't here last week, it's going to be two weeks of movies, so we're going from September 19th to October 2nd. Yeah. Which is crazy. We're in spooky season. Whoa. My birthday's coming up. Happy hey, birthday hey. to me. Happy, happy birthday, Micah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be a whole year older next episode. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get into it, because we want to be we want to be brief. Yes. Uh, I guess the first thing I watched after Robin Hood, which you should go listen to our episode on Robin Hood. It was a good episode, I think. I think so as well. Uh, but on the 19th, I watched Smoking Causes Coughing, uh, which is a Quentin Depew movie. Uh, I had just watched Rubber, another one of his films, and I was like, I should watch another one of his films because I liked it. Uh, and this was much better than Rubber, in my opinion. Uh, it's got a really funny, like, just a really appealing premise to me. Uh, and a really, like, spirited execution. Uh, it's like a Power Rangers riff, which is really fun. They, like, all go on, like, a work retreat to work on their team dynamic. 
and it's like a I don't know it's like a scary story anthology which doesn't sound like it should work <laughs> but it's fun like I have I had a great time with it it's really consistently funny it looks great uh it's cool I liked it a lot I'm looking forward to watching more of this guy's movies uh and it's a good time and Micah you should watch Smoking Causes Coughing <laughs> because it was fun <laughs> maybe uh, I will but yeah I gave it a four out of five good nice. times on the 19th, I watched, or rather rewatched, for the first time in like <laughs> maybe like eight to ten years. Like a decade. <laughs> um, the Happiest Millionaire. This is a movie we kind of grew up on yep. for some reason. It's a childhood staple. Um, it's like nine <laughs> hours long. It's actually like three hours long, but it's so long. It feels way long, too long dude. for how it's, it should be. It's too long. But man, it's, it's still a lot of fun going back to this. <laughs> it's probably nostalgia getting to me, but I can sing along with like all of these songs. It's a musical and like it's so <laughs> of course. it's so weird it's such a weird little nationalist goofy film that's like nothing else i've almost even seen from this era it was made in 67 it's so funny it's, just, it's it's just like it's got its own thing going on for the whole time yeah it's like the slice of life <laughs> extremely like almost epic proportioned film spanning just a simple thing of like one daughter moving out and getting married of this millionaire's house with like POV from John, an right. Irish immigrant who gets a job Who's with this butler? rich family yeah. as a butler and just doesn't do much for the home. It's, it's really weird, but I still had a good time with it. It looks pretty good. And I think I like the cast a lot. Uh, Fred McMurray, of course, is always fun. <laughs> right. And I give it a three out of five, though that's a little generous as it is definitely paced pretty poorly. Speaking of three out of fives, Mike, uh, we watched a little film called Your Next on the 20th. Yeah. Not Your Next on the 20th. It's yeah. just called Your Next. It, was, it wasn't very good. Um, I didn't like it. I think I think it's pretty admirable I think more than anything. I think it's got the potential. I th okay, here's what I'll say. It's got good filmmaking mm -hmm. and bad writing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's, it, I, I said in my review that it feels like just a lesser version of Ready or Not, and I think that's a really good comparison for it. Micah hasn't seen that yet. Yeah, I was about to say, even then when I say good filmmaking, <laughs> I think they did a really great job of working with the budget they had. You can tell this mm -hmm. is a really low budget film. I think the cast is pretty fun and memorable. Yeah. I think most of like the horror and action scenes are pretty good. They're cool, yeah. And they're cool, well staged. But I really just think this movie is pretty darn poorly written and sometimes poorly acted um yeah I, I again i think the biggest criticism i would throw at your next is just that i just get kind of bored watching it which seems really strange well i put like i for I the kind as, of like horror movie it is i put as my big complaint is that there's not a single human feeling character yeah. in the entire movie due to the writing and sometimes due to the performances and that completely destroys what the movie is going for not to mention the writing pacing out with like all of the family stuff is really weird it needed way more work and upfront stuff to make the story work yeah i mentioned in my review that like you basically get the whole family together, they bicker for about five minutes, and then they all die. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. It's everything about this movie is weird. Yeah. 
And the biggest things, again, like, I think the actual meat of, like, the film stuff, like, I think it's shot well, I think it's lit pretty well. I think it's there's the definitely stuff is fun. there's definitely a vision, yeah, um, which I admire. But and outside, it, of, I don't think it works as yeah, well as I was it say, should. Outside of that, I probably will never watch this again. No. not very great. I give it a two and a half out of five, not a three. I gave it a three out of five. I again, I think I just it's something that I would probably try and make. <laughs> uh, so I I kind of have a soft spot for like horror directors who seem to at least have an idea of like some original that they want to do from so. the director of the netflix original Ooh. live action death note Ooh. <laughs> um i liked ty west's cameo in it too so that was funny yeah so then after that on the 21st, on the 21st. i guess yogo because apparently you watched a million things on the 21st i, I did uh i watched a f- movie called reality which came out this year uh but I feel like I've fallen way behind on 2023 releases, so I watched this one. Uh, it's called Reality. It was directed by Tina Satter, uh, who is like a stage play director and writer. Uh, and this was her debut feature. Uh, it has Sydney Sweeney uh, and Josh Hamilton in it, and they're both really good. I, I don't think I'd ever seen Sydney Sweeney in like something other than like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And she's a really great actress, dude. I, I, I know I've seen her in something else. Yeah. And I was like, man, she's really good in this. Yeah. But I don't remember what. <laughs> uh, but yeah, reality, fun little thriller, like really good, like kind of one location movie, which is, you know, not always easy to pull off. It's really well shot. Uh, its stylistic flourishes are applied pretty well. And for, you know, as for someone like this being their debut film, they seem to have a pretty good idea of like how to use cinematic space well and like how to pace out your scenes and everything, which again, they write and direct stage plays. So it makes sense. It feels very much like almost like a 60s movie, I would say, (laughs) where it still has like a lot of theatricality and like. It has a good grasp on how to, like, make a scene interesting, so... Sharp Objects, that's what it was. She's really good in <laughs> oh, Sharp Objects. Oh, interesting. I forgot, yeah, I forgot she was in that. Uh, but yeah, good blocking, uh, solid movie. I would watch it again in a heartbeat. It was really fun. Nice. Um, reality, four out of five. Nice. Good movie. <laughs> and would you watch, Remy? Uh, then I watched Wayne's World, which is a bit of a stylistic uh, departure from reality. <laughs> Uh, but it was fun. This was my first time seeing it. Uh, I had previously seen Austin Powers, uh, International Man of Mystery, which I really liked. What's that crazy guy up to? And I wanted to watch another Mike Myers comedy, and this was really fun. It's not quite as good, uh, but it it definitely commits to its bit, which I can always admire. That's all I ask of a comedy, really, <laughs> is that it's just committed to doing its one thing well. And it's cool. I missed probably like half of the jokes because I didn't grow up in the 90s. <laughs> uh, but it was really fun. The performances are really great. Uh, it just has, it, it like, on a fundamental level, it plays with movies in a really fun way. Like the actual uh, meat and potatoes of movies in a really fun way. So I really enjoyed it. It has a really fun spirit. Uh, and it's not as problematic as it could have been. <laughs> so I give it a big thumbs up. I gave it a four out of five as well. <laughs> On the 21st, I watched Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. It was like my, oh gosh, 
eighth time <laughs> logging it, which is not even all the times I've seen it. And what I don't, a fun movie. What, dude. Yeah, what to say about this movie? It's so much fun. It's a classic for me. It's Lord of Miller. Saw, we got like I like I grew up watching this baby <laughs> in the theater. Yeah, and man. <laughs> enjoying it ever since. And. I don't know. It's got so many great lines, iconic scenes, iconic moments, great voice acting. James Caan, like, <laughs> it, it's cloudy with a chance of meatballs. You know how good that is. Uh, go watch it if you don't. Yeah. Four and a half out of five. Easy. Very cool. Uh, I also watched another movie that day. Yep. I double featured the first Wayne's World with the second Wayne's World. Uh, Wayne's World 2. You know what I was doing during this, Rebbe? You know what I was Sleeping? doing? No, I was working. I was working on my video. Oh, uh, well, that sucks to be you, I guess. I was watching a crazy movie, Mike. Uh, yeah, no, this is uh, definitely zanier than the first movie. Uh, they They took some big swings uh and unfortunately it has a lower batting average when it comes to its jokes uh successes it's a lot more referential to other movies and just generally a lot crazier uh and it ends up feeling a bit of a like a lesser experience as a movie but it is fun it has a lot of like really fun bits i actually laughed a bit more i think at this one than i did the first one <laughs> but it definitely is a worse movie <laughs> Uh, I gave it a three out of five. You know, pretty good. Nice. I think. Nice. Then on the 22nd, we sat down together. Wow. Like like true brothers. <laughs> In a recently logged fashion. In recently logged fashion. <laughs> and watched Django Unchained. Oh, this gosh. Was a, this was a rewatch for me. First watch for Robbie. First watch for if me. You were, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while, <laughs> you may remember that I went on like a really weird Tarantino binge for a bit <laughs> and just watched every Tarantino movie I could track down. Uh, so I, now I'm like showing all of those to Robbie. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I just watched Pulp Fiction for the first time like a couple weeks ago. And now I watch Django Unchained. Yeah, another one of what's considered one of his best. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's in the top 200 movies on Letterboxd, like highest rated movies. Yeah. For a reason, I guess. <laughs> it's it's pretty fantastic, I would say. I think it. I think on rewatch especially, it's, it's super fun to watch play out. I think all-time performances from pretty much everyone in this. Jamie Foxx is incredible. Christoph Waltz is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is really fun. Samuel L. Jackson is like crazy <laughs> he's so it's everybody he's is so, yeah he's kind of off the wall in this one <laughs> everybody is giving it their all dicaprio is like the the, mo the most evil version of dicaprio i think you could put on screen is it is it weird that i just wasn't that into his performance like i know a bunch of people who like that's one of the big things they praised the movie for when i was like way more invested in christoph waltz oh well, yeah i think thing. i think christoph waltz is giving a lot more but i think he has a lot more to offer i mean yeah. i mean he's he's like the main character calvin yeah. candy gets he's not in that much of the movie yeah. so <laughs> yeah it's weird it's kind of um like sectioned off into these like two separate plots yeah and i definitely didn't like the second one as much well that's kind of where my biggest complaint i actually like both of them 
pretty equally. Mm -hmm. I think the Candyland stuff is pretty great and has a lot to do and to sink its teeth into. Well, yeah, Um, no, I think it's like really good. And like, I just didn't enjoy it as much as what I'm saying. Obviously it needs to be there for the movie to work. I do think my only like my (laughs) only problem with the movie on a whole is it's pacing between those two sections. Mm -hmm. It ends up feeling like a good, like 20 minutes too long when you're watching the movie. (laughs) Dude, the buildup to the finale felt like it was taking forever when I was watching it. I'm like, this is like uh, every scene that i watched i was like wow this is like really good and like really interesting but like also i want it to move on (laughs) right but man you can't deny this this movie is fantastic scene like every scene of this movie is fantastic dude like literally i think probably one of the most perfect movies from a visual perspective like costuming the lens choices the production design the lighting like it's literally almost, I think, from frame run, frame one, like a perfectly shot movie. And it's I think, amazing. I think it does a really <laughs> impressive job at balancing its tone between its far darker elements and its still kind of lighthearted feel. Yeah, no, it works really well. Uh, I, I mean, I gave it a perfect score. I sounded pretty <laughs> down on it, but like, I do think it's a genuinely really well made movie. I just, I, I would prefer Pulp Fiction to it. Yeah, probably I mean, I, I agree. There are yeah. there are several Tarantino movies I would prefer to this but mm-hmm. that's just me personally i gave it a four and a half out of five yeah man it's it's really good <laughs> it's so good <laughs> oh yeah you already said you gave it a five out of yeah, five i was like say your rating robbie come on tell me what you rated django unchained or else then what did you watch Ruby? uh on the 22nd i watched kill baby kill which is a mario bava movie i had uh a couple episodes ago talked about the girl who knew too much and blood and black lace which i really enjoyed so i wanted to watch another film from that director and kill baby kill is i think slightly weaker than those two but it is still really fun it's like a gothic painting uh which is pretty cool (laughs) like like a bunch of the compositions in this literally just look like paintings and it's awesome uh i like the horror stuff in it a lot i like how like spooky it is like it literally takes like half like a good third of the movie takes place in like foggy graveyards and foggy forests and everything and like catacombs it's so cool i love it so much i just i'm a sucker for italian horror and this is a pretty solid one so i gave it a four out of five good time kill baby kill nice (laughs) um yeah, then we went out to the theater mm-hmm. and we watched in IMAX the Stop Making Sense 4K restoration. The re-release, the anniversary, baby. Uh, this was at one time my proclaimed favorite movie of all time. And, and I still think it's a weird claim <laughs> since I still wouldn't really call it a, a movie. I don't know, man. It's a concert I, it's film still, still. It's still definitely but... up there for me. Like, there there are a few cinematic experiences that I have that come close to matching See, this I energy. But I wouldn't call it inherently a cinematic experience. It's it's a stage experience. This is a That's stage. This is, yes, it's brought to life through a lot of film editing. And obviously, they recorded multiple stuff here. So it could only be this way through film. Yeah. But it's still, for all intents and purposes, in my mind, <laughs> is a stage performance i mean it is but i like i said it's it's a stage performance made more intimate and electric by film yeah which is 
Amazing. But no, this was my first time seeing it. and <laughs> An ideal way to watch it, I yeah, think. Just uh, have what it a crazy blasting way to IMAX. First, to first watch it. <laughs> and I'm, I, I've am i been a, a relatively decent fan of ta- of uh, Talking Heads, mm-hmm. but Stop Making Sense was never really something I liked to listen to that much. <laughs> the album never really worked for me. Mm-hmm. But I could see what it was missing, which was a stage <laughs> the because performance. it was made for a stage. I, it, like genuinely, it was made for a stage. This is a stage show. It's it is a not stage a. Show, yeah. It is not just a concert. It is a stage show, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's super incredible and electric and almost like, again, like like Ravi said, almost like like a spiritual experience. It is with, how yeah. it, with what it pulls off. I called it mythic in my review. <laughs> yeah, very mythic, very incredible to watch, especially this play seeing out. it towering above you on an imax exactly it's It's, amazing it's incredible the songs work so well with this i was uh yeah lots of lots of emotions couldn't help but dance around in my seat i was wish more people were dancing i was laughing and i was crying it's so much it's so much fun it's it's just it's literally the best unfortunately i don't think it's still playing in imax otherwise i would tell you to go watch it (laughs) But you should you should watch the film anyway. Even if you don't like Talking Heads, even if you don't like concert films, you should watch Stop Making Sense at some point. I mean, I think it's like generally pretty well agreed upon that it's like the best concert film. <laughs> like there hasn't <laughs> been know, anything. Robbie, that what close. about the last waltz? <laughs> I haven't seen it. I but could I couldn't possibly comment. I know that I know that's another like extremely yeah. well regarded concert film. But it's still crazy that I like I love something wild and silence of the lambs and this is still my preferred jonathan dem movie <laughs> i gave it a five out of five though yeah great movie man uh then on the 24th we watched evil dead with yeah, our sister 2013 evil dead. evil dead she had watched evil dead rise with one of her friends and thought it was weird <laughs> and i was like you know what i bet you would like you the 2013 context. evil dead better <laughs> yeah um and she did, I think. I don't think she liked... I think she said... What, how did she, she say? She said it was a better movie, she, but she enjoyed she watching Rise. She enjoyed Rise watching more. Rise more, because Rise is a much more palatable film. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, but she said this was a better movie, which it is, in my opinion. Yeah, man. Uh, Evil Dead, watching it... Like, this was my second viewing, uh, and I had forgotten just how, like, oppressive and suffocating the whole experience is yeah this was my this was my third time <laughs> watching it and yeah it's genuinely more it's so unrelenting, I, I mean i haven't seen the original evil dead which from what i understand is the only one that really comes close to this tonally mm-hmm. but like man this is this is not like any of the other evil dead things i've seen and it's hardly like any other horror movie I've seen, even though I've seen so many that are riffing on this same kind of thing. The whole Cabin in the Woods yeah. style movie. Uh, it's genuinely really, really like, again, oppressive, suffocating and like unpleasant to be in, yeah, in a really interesting way. It's funny, even more so than me being like scared. Watch, I don't know. I don't get scared at horror movies very often, but like even more so than being scared of the things that happen in Evil Dead, I'm more just like either grossed out or just put off or disgusted it does a really great job of making you feel like you're yeah. trapped in this place exactly with them. yeah you're trapped in like essentially hell because it's just like the worst 
all the time. Yeah, it's not like a, it's not a visceral scariness. Like it's not an immediate scariness. It's more of like just a a suffocation of your soul over the course of the movie, which is which, crazy. Yeah, which I think is really cool, <laughs> especially given the themes of this movie, which I think is another one of its big highlights is that it's got really strong themes in terms of its of what it's trying to do with like addiction and breaking free from addiction mm-hmm. and kind of all that comes with that, including the themes around like the friends and how they'll treat oh, you and like the stuff brother. like that the brother there's <laughs> there's a lot of really really interesting stuff that it has thematically to say about addiction brought to life through this extremely suffocating but yeah it's still really fun horror yeah, movie. man there's still so many like just amazing like there's so many great moments of gore and like it's just a it's a good movie man i i, I had honestly forgotten just how like it, how visually excellent it is how great it looks um how great some of like the kills are it's it's awesome it's an awesome movie <laughs> yeah i gave it a four and a half out of five gave it a five out of five man <laughs> i loved it <laughs> uh then on the 26th uh, i sat down and watched birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance or i should say we sat down and watched because we. we watched it together we, we. <laughs> um, it was my first time seeing it i watched it uh for well one i just wanted to see it (laughs) but two it was part of a little thing that i'm doing that i've been doing all year where friends suggested me a movie for each month and this was one of those movies suggested for the month of september hey so i needed to watch it in the last couple days of september (laughs) right Uh, but i really loved birdman as as a theater man myself (laughs) i think it does an impeccable job of capturing the feeling of a stage play and working on one especially yeah so much of like its manic energy captured by the way it's filmed and what the performers are doing plays into kind of a really fun and interesting look into the culture of art right now and kind of actors and what they have to deal with and what it means to really be a star or to make art Mm -hmm. in the modern movie and stage landscape yeah um and i i don't know it's a little pretentious it's a little (laughs) self-serious dude it's so self-serious i think it really needs to be to make what it's doing work and i can appreciate that i think pretentious can work really well sometimes this yeah this is honestly my favorite like instance of ultra like uber pretentious at its dna movie working really well (laughs) um it's just it's so well crafted and well performed like the cast is so good and the atmosphere is great and i love the score so much i don't know i i i ended up crying like five separate times uh during this viewing and i don't know what it is about this movie it just gets its claws in me so quickly well i think especially i, love I think especially recently it makes the film so much more depressing for like the oh my the artistic landscape that we've gone towards in media the fact that michael keaton would go to star in the flash uh, yeah is very it's depressing like the most depressing news <laughs> after birdman yeah um but no birdman really really impressed by it it won thought best it was picture really, for a reason <laughs> thought it was really great don't think it felt gimmicky at all and it worked for me i yeah. gave it a four and a half out of five five out of five for me uh, you every four and a half you hand out is a five <laughs> uh then on the 27th we watched the wonderful story of henry sugar the first of four wes anderson shorts to be released on netflix in the subsequent days yes um and this was probably my favorite but i feel like that's a little <laughs> unfair just because this one is really it has the most run time yeah it's it's and the biggest budget it's probably pra- it's practically a feature in my mind <laughs> it 
works pretty well as one. And so I rated it as one, even though I don't normally rate short films. Yeah. Um, I think it's really, really great. I absolutely adore what Wes Anderson is doing with these films <laughs> and what like their weird blend that I've never seen. I've literally never seen anything like these before. Mm-hmm. And the way they're trying to blend the lines between stage literature and film. Um, yeah, it feels so literary, yeah, which a, is so cool. <laughs> a constant experience of like not showing you what you'd think you'd want to show someone mm-hmm. and also constantly breaking apart this very stage stage that they have and then also using really unique elements of film to bring it alive. So you have this very literary <laughs> base brought to life through these extremely cool stage elements shown through these really unique <laughs> film lenses. Well, and again, like the biggest thing that I can call attention to with really all of uh these wes anderson shorts that he put out recently is just how good of a director he is yeah um like he he's going so he's doing something so much greater than just his aesthetics in this like things i would never think to do with this source material (laughs) he's just pulling out like the most interesting and like moving version of this film it's it's so crazy (laughs) i i love it to death it's amazing i think henry sugar especially is just so well delivered it really sells me on benedict cumberbatch which i'm not usually a fan of he's amazing here dev patel ben kingsley ralph fines like all of them are fantastic literally Um, yeah no uh, the cast for all of the shorts is they're just like amazing and i think this is doing something really (laughs) unique thematically i think it's one of the sweetest and most touching films i've seen from wes anderson i adored it i give it a five out of five he just he just knows what he's doing it's crazy um then on the 28th I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula for the first time, Francis Ford Coppola. And um, Dracula is like my favorite book next to like (laughs) Dune and Little Women. Like those are my top three favorite. I don't All of which have great movie adaptations. Yeah, which all have amazing movie adaptations. (laughs) That's just a perk. Uh, They were my favorite books before I watched any of their movies, actually. Which is so funny. (laughs) Uh, But no, Dracula is one of my favorite all-time books. And I was really excited to get to like something titled Bram Stoker's Dracula (laughs) because I figured it was really going to pull out the stops to represent the book well and take it in unique directions. I just pray uh the 70s nosferatu a lot because it does something really unique well like it digs to the heart of the story of dracula and pulls it in a completely different direction than the original book does despite adapting the story pretty faithfully um but this is so much more like this is bram stoker's dracula bram stoker's dracula through and through this is like this is like a dracula's dracula it's funny um but it's way more wild and crazy than i was expecting it looks like it cost one bajillion (laughs) dollars and it's got the craziest cast of all time and they're all doing just wild performances <laughs> everybody's performance is over the top and stage e there's so much more like weird goofy over the top moments and kind of like almost like experimental feelings that this film kind of digs into despite being such a like very blockbuster feeling kind mm. of film i think it does such a great job of adapting the themes and the the very gothic feeling of the original story while being extremely horrifying and extremely fun and i like it's an all-time performance <laughs> from gary oldman 
This is easily my favorite thing I've seen him in. He's fantastic. <laughs> Winona Ryder's fantastic. Even even little Keanu Reeves in this, which most people don't <laughs> like. I loved his weird little Jonathan Harker. I appreciate it. That's it's so like funny. the level of depth that he is giving in the Bill and Ted <laughs> movies, but brought to life through Jonathan Harker. And I think that is exactly what Jonathan deserves. <laughs> so yeah, this became... I wrote a really long review for it, but this is easily one of my favorite movies I've seen now. I actually threw it up in my top four favorites. I can't wait to watch it again. Nice. I literally loved everything about it. <laughs> like, every single thing. Pretty so cool. So, I gave it a five out of five. Yeah. Uh, and then on the 28th, we watched The Swan, the second release of these Netflix Wes Anderson shorts. Uh, much shorter than Henry yeah, Sugar. All the, all the other ones are 17 minutes, <laughs> yeah. almost exactly. Um, this is easily like the darkest story Wes Anderson has ever done. I think. <laughs> I mean, um, I haven't seen a lot of his early stuff, but yeah. No, I mean, I've 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 seen like I've I know the plot of a lot of his other movies that mm-hmm. I haven't seen, and I've just seen a lot of other people echo that sentiment around the swan. Yeah, it's. I like, mean, it is a very. It's such a yeah. It's like a very sad film. Well, like, like just it's at like, its core, it's like a. It's almost like a twisted story yeah. when you get down to its core in a really interesting way because it's brought to life in that same really unique style and is given this really hopeful, beautiful sense of calm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It's oh, man. It's, it's a really cool. It's brilliant. It's, it's so cool. It's definitely one of my fa- <laughs> like all of these. I think the only one that I just wasn't fully on board for was the Rat Catcher, and even the Rat Dude, Catcher, I, love the rat I absolutely <laughs> love. Yeah. If these released all as one film, which I kind of wish they did with the way they're framed, it would just be an easy five out of five. I yeah. think these are all genuinely fantastic. Yeah. No, the Swan might be my least favorite. I wouldn't. I wouldn't Ooh. dare call it the worst because Ooh. the Rat Catcher probably is. Um, but off the stage. I don't know. I, I didn't get as emotionally into it as I wanted to. What? This is like easily the most emotional next to Henry Sugar. <laughs> I know. I know. I just said I didn't. I, I get why people did. And I really admire how like vulnerable and um, raw the film is. Like it's so cool. Uh, but I just wasn't as into it as I wanted to be. Yeah. Which is probably the only thing that holds me back from, like, just adoring it wholeheartedly. But it is really, really good. Um, also on the 28th, I watched uh, The House on Sorority Row. <laughs> uh, the 80s one. Very interesting film. You can very clearly see how this would have easily inspired a lot of Kevin Williamson's work, actually. <laughs> like, it's so similar to in dialogue and feel and pacing to a Kevin Williamson script. I really, really enjoyed what it's doing. It's got some memorable twists, some memorable kills, and it's not like the greatest thing in the world. It doesn't have that memorable of characters or that notable of like aesthetics or anything <laughs> like that, or even set pieces. But I think as a slasher, especially when I've been watching so many kind of lesser known slashers recently, like Prom Night and mm-hmm. everything like that, I think this kind of falls into the same thing. Um, I think this is definitely one of the most fun and well-paced and just good of these kind of films. So that was cool. I gave it a four out of five. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, and then on the 30th, what did we watch, Remy? We went out to the theater. Or at least I logged it on the 30th. We got back. Yeah, we by the time we finished it, it was the 30th. Oh, maybe. was it? I don't know. I, lo- I logged it on the 29th. Um, we went out to the theater and we watched A Haunting in Venice. Yes, the next Perot mystery from uh, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. 
Yeah, um, he's doing his little French accent again. He's yeah. got his big got goofy his, mo- his mustache. The moustache. Moustache. I was a moustache. That he's still like the best part of these. Like yeah. he's <laughs> his performance. He you can tell he and with Brana in general, so you funny, can tell dude. he just does what he wants to do. Yeah wholeheartedly and i respect him for that and you can tell he's having so much fun as perot in all of these movies and Honestly, I, think, I think he works really well yeah. as perot yeah no he's he's the like almost the only thing about this movie that i like which is really <laughs> sad because like i i wish i liked that i, I, really there were, wish I, liked, I liked it i liked oh. that there were choices yeah there were definitely choices there are always choices from from brana <laughs> And this is strong choices, uh, uh, not inherently yeah. like strong as in like quality strong, but they are like distinct choices Gosh. that were made. Yeah, um, I just I don't, I I don't think it, I don't think it's it. bad by any means. I actually had quite a bit of fun with it. I enjoy a lot of like the aesthetic things it's trying to do. I enjoy several of the characters and the way some of the mystery plays out. But at the end of the day, I think. Even beyond some of its technical qualities, I think even being better than Death on the Nile, which is my second, like, like I don't know, none of these mm. movies am I really a huge fan of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the actual way the mystery plays out is one of the least interesting ways you could write a mystery like this. And I know it's off of an Agatha Christie story, and he wasn't going to change it that much. It's <laughs> kind of Brana. He's, he doesn't he doesn't really adapt. He just is like, yeah, let me throw that We're up gonna on the We're going to do screen. that. <laughs> That's a little mean, but that's just poking fun at his, like, Shakespeare work, where they're so directly Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, it's just weird overall. It has a weird tone and plays mm-hmm. out in weirdly paced fashion. Yeah, I, I actually really admire its commitment to its setting and its tone. Like, it doesn't, it do, it's not undercutting any of its beats with, like, a weird joke or anything. Like, yeah. it's very committed to what it wants to do, but it also is just really boring <laughs> to me. I was not having fun with it, which I feel like you really need to for yeah, it to I mean, work. I had, I had relative amounts of fun with it. I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I, I, ad- I admire some of the visual swings it takes, but it just really doesn't come together for me. Like, I don't. I like I love fish eye lenses. It's like one of my favorite things in movies, and it just feels totally random. Almost Perot, in this. Perot drank too many Red Bulls and is is yeah. straight tripping the whole movie. The editing is it just kills my immersion. Like in scene after scene, it just I it was a bit of a slog for me. I did not enjoy it. Boo. <laughs> Give it a two out of five. <laughs> I love how anytime, Robbie, there's a movie that you don't like, you make it sound somehow like the worst experience of your life. <laughs> I, I love movies so much, and when I see one that I'm not into, I'm like, oh, well, I this think it's gonna be over. I oh, think my. A Haunting in Venice is a pretty decent movie. I think it's, it's fine. It's, it yeah. holds its quality with or Murder on the Orient Express and it's, Death on the yeah, Nile pretty well. I think it's. I think it's the worst one of the trilogy, but it's really not even like it's not a cinematic disaster. I just didn't have fun with it. Yeah, I thought it was relatively enjoyable, if not a little boring, but not like <laughs> no, nah, it wasn't miserable. I don't know, man. I was just I like, gave what it, is this going to be done? I man? gave it a three out of five. Yeah. Uh, then on the thirtieth as well, we watched the Rat Catcher and Poison. Yeah. Um, which. You know, I think the rat catcher we can talk about first, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to spend too much time on them since I wrote shorts. a one sentence review this is so for long. it. So. Uh, but the rat catcher is pretty cool. The performances are really strong and it's doing something cool with the story. Uh, yeah, most horror 
uh, Wes Anderson has been in <laughs> in my eyes. Yeah, I really, ap- I really appreciate it because these tap into Dude, something I really love. The about finale of the Ratcatcher is so cool. <laughs> I was about to say this taps into something really cool that I love. That even something like somebody like David Lynch gets into really well when mm-hmm. you see him not not his movies as much, but just him as a person when he's telling stories. Mm-hmm. The way he he like I don't know just the performance and the word craft behind this really. The very intentional, yeah. like, phraseology and the way things it, play out. It pulls you in it's in such so an cool. intense way, which yeah. is very, very cool from being <laughs> such a minimal film. Yeah, Ratcatcher, very cool. Wish we got a stop-motion ferret. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, the, the poison, poison poison is crazy. I, I do love not, it so much, I do dude. not know how he pulled this off. It's my favorite of the, of the shorts, it's which is so, weird. It's so high-tensioned and so engaging yeah. and has such interesting subtext going on behind it. Like, by the end, with all of the characters and, like, the reveals and mm-hmm. everything, it feels like this drastic, like, thing has happened, even though it was only 17 minutes long. <laughs> Yeah, man. And like, I I mentioned in my review that Dev Patel's like facial expressions alone could have probably carried me through this. But like, again, Wes Anderson is just like an amazingly good director. He just knows how to make films that are engaging and interesting. And I don't know, this this really does feel like the best version of what it is, yeah. which I, I is like the highest praise I can give something, you know? I, I could see a better version in it being longer and giving mm. it more time to flesh out a lot I of guess its characters so, yeah. and its themes. But for a 17-minute short, <laughs> it's it's definitely gunning on it's all It's about cylinders. as good as you can do, dude. Yeah. I love it so much. Uh, then on the first, I watched Videodrome for the first time. Whoa. Um, I think it's like my third or fourth Cronenberg film, maybe third. Uh, I don't remember. Let me you see. watched Scanners? Third, yeah. Fly. So it was my third Cronenberg yeah. film. Um, and it's crazy. I wrote an, an upset, <laughs> like an excessively long review about it and kind of why its themes personally connected to me in a lot of interesting ways. And I think it's got something really unique to say. I It's yet again another movie where I'm like, I don't understand why people are like, oh, what did this mean? Um, <laughs> like, what was this movie even about? Yeah. Which is one of the top reviews. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like it had pretty clear themes going on in it but maybe i'm crazy but still it's a crazy movie i'm really excited the to body see horror it. is insanely fun in it and it's just got so many great moments it actually really sold me on james woods which he's not oh, no. typically an actor that i like mm. uh, for multiple reasons i don't yeah. like him as a person obviously yeah but like typically i don't like him as an actor either mm. um and this really sold me on like his performance he's so good in this and really surprisingly likable when that's usually the main thing that i don't like about (laughs) him is like he's just aggressively unlikable to me um so yeah crazy good film i can't even get into it right now so i would definitely say go check out my review for it um i gave it a five out of five very cool uh after that we sat down and we watched talladega nights the ballad Ballad of of ricky Ricky Bobby. bobby For the first time. Yeah, my first time um, ever seeing it. Adam McKay. Yeah. Crazy, crazy um, film in like a weird way. I had seen The Other Guys, and that's the only other Adam McKay movie I had watched. I think I prefer this one maybe a little bit more. I don't know. There's things that bother me about both of them, but they're also both like kind of really fun. <laughs> yeah. Which is strange. I don't know. Very strange movies. My biggest thing is I don't think this movie goes for it plot-wise or joke-wise as much as it could. I think it's very dumb, obviously, and pulls off a lot of that dumb like comedy pretty well. Yeah, no, it's it's 
pretty consistently funny. Yeah, I was funny. about to say through really good performances and great improv from a lot of the <laughs> actors. But having seen something like Hot Rod, which this consistently reminded me of. Yeah, like Lonely like it, Island it, stuff. It yeah. kind of disappointed me because I think Hot Rod is doing something far more memorable with it than this yeah. is. This one is committed to being like a broader parody of like this style of racing movie. Yeah. And like it, I really admire that because it actually works it into a pretty funny screenplay. Yeah. Um, but it just feels kind of flat like it's not anything more than that yeah not um, all so it doesn't really come together in it, the end for me despite a lot of really fantastic like line deliveries <laughs> and performances it, i don't think it's comedy is as memorable as it could be yeah but it's still a really fun movie it's a it's a great time yeah it's aged a little bit at this point obviously of course, yeah um but it's really it, it's like really charming uh it, even though it is a little scattered in some of its <laughs> other qualities i gave it a three out of five i also gave it a three out of five uh then last night we watched <laughs> saw two saw two and it was our first time watching it and it was a freaking hilarious movie what a bonkers what a film. bonkers goofy stupid it's dumb, so dumb weird oh little goodness. sequel to a weird little movie saw is a great thriller and I liked it a lot. And Saw 2 was like was a really like the, dumb movie. <laughs> no, Saw 2 is like the weirdest episode of uh, Criminal Minds. Exactly. Literally. The most unhinged episode of Criminal Minds is Saw 2, <laughs> basically. That, take that as you will. Again, I wrote a pretty long review. I've been writing long reviews lately. Good. I wrote a pretty long review about this movie and why it's really weird and kind of dumb. And its character stuff does not work hate at all. Because not a single character is like likable and our main character pretty much not our technical main character but the guy who operates most of the screen time of the actual saw plot is this really annoying like super muscular dude who's just like i hate women and i hate other people and uh, let me punch through this safe it's with just, my muscles it's just not a fun movie to watch the plot threads are both really boring it has an a plot and b plot and they're both dumb and well boring. the a plot literally just sits there the whole time yeah. and does well the thing okay i'll say this for the movie so the dumb, thing that's dude. really really dumb about the movie and i think makes both both plots work is that it fundamentally doesn't let anything about its plot pay, play out for some reason its characters are determined to ruin the plot that seems right. to be there like the the actual saw trap i think this time around is really interesting and you could do something really fun i think it's crazy that escape room pulls off this idea of a multi-room it does it way better better than saw 2 that's that says a lot yeah because the character's absolutely refuse to engage with it how it should be engaged right. with like obviously like if you're in one of these situations you're not just going to do all of the little sadistic games <laughs> but like from a movie standpoint <laughs> it's so miserable because it's just them all yelling at each other it's, about how they're not going to do anything literally two-thirds of the movie i think is just people screaming at each other and not in like a fun way <laughs> and then the and then the other plot with, it, with jigsaw is also the same way where the characters refuse to let the plot actually play out it's just constantly doing nothing because they refuse to do anything they literally they break into the little like metal shop building and literally just sit there for like the whole movie and that's the movie that's like the entire movie <laughs> so it's a dumb. bunch of people yelling at each other while failing to solve anything <laughs> do anything or even have fun times with the puzzles because they so rarely actually engage with them
Yeah, Saw 2, uh, thumbs down from me. I gave it a 2 um, out of 5. Which makes me sound like I hated the movie, but I didn't because <laughs> it's so hilariously bad that I had a great time. It almost it almost I, feels like a parody. Exactly. <laughs> I laughed the whole way through, and I could... I think it's a hilarious movie i did i did I not have it, as much fun with it i gave it a two and a half it's still pretty bad but also i had so much fun with it i will probably hey, never i'll probably never watch it again i don't want to watch it again yeah but i had fun watching it the one time there you go and that, that's what we watched yeah saw was my first horror movie of october which is pretty cool videodrome was or my saw first, two rather videodrome was my first horror movie of october yeah, uh, but now we watch Scream 4, the far superior movie. Not to Videodrome, well, in my opinion. I think Videodrome's better. Yeah, but the far superior movie to Saw 2. Yes. <laughs> As horror sequels go. <laughs> Videodrome 2. Videodrome 2. I would, yeah. Call it Videodrome 2, uh, lo- like, long live the new flesh. I, w- I would watch it. I would go I would go out to the I, It needs to not be directed by Cronenberg <laughs> and just like this random tiny director trying his best. That would be so funny. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening to our Scream 4 episode. Yeah, uh, it's so late. Yeah, I need sleep. Yeah, it's it's one o'clock in the morning. Uh, but not for you, hopefully. Maybe. <laughs> Don't, go, go, go to sleep Heck, if it's could, 1 o'clock. it could be later. You could be listening to this at like 4 a.m. <laughs> go to sleep. Get some sleep. But watch yeah. a good movie. And, and we'll see you in the next one. Go watch a spooky movie. Spooky. Go watch, uh, oh, go watch <laughs> Stop Making Sense. <laughs> yeah, If man. you are okay with what is in both of them, I would suggest very much so if you're okay like a big caveat on both of these but bram stoker's dracula and videodrome i think have genuinely interesting things about them again read my videodrome review i think it's i think it's a really like a really good film and has really important things to say about what it's talking about um also go watch the new wes anderson roll doll adaptation yes go watch the roll doll shorts that's a good one those are all perfectly recently logged approved fun for the Big whole family up. yeah maybe not for little little not Timmy. for like the little little tiny timmy kids. won't enjoy it he'll be like what the heck's going on turn this crap off mom <laughs> give me give me some bluey i don't know <laughs> uh but yeah thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys in the next episode bye